Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. So I'm here with Ram Fishkin, the Wizard of Moz. Great to be here. It is an honor to be with you, man, wow. for real. Like, uh, you are the face of SEO, I want to say. You yeah. know? Not sure and about I'm, that, but all right. I, you know, like, you stay consistent. And I think consistency is the key in SEO. Like, you know, there are all these new trends and everything else that comes out. Right, but like, staying true to the core of what used to work 10, 15 years ago when we were first starting doing it. Sure. Like when you first started SEO Moz back in 2004, right? It was like the heyday where you could still stuff keywords and like do all of these things to manipulate rankings, right? And like nowadays, it's like totally changed on its end in terms of like everybody now is a media company and they have to be thinking about SEO at least at its foundation when they launch their company. So take us back 13 years ago when you first started Moz or SEO Moz back then, you know, talk about the transformation of what you've seen in the industry? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's actually been driven by really three forces. So one of the obviously major forces is Google advancing and then dominating. So you remember 2004, it was like the search engine wars, right? So Bing, Google, and Yahoo were all fighting each other. At the time, Bing was called MSN search, right? right? And it was, you know, it was like a 20, 30% market share for each and then Google just kind of ran away. Yep. I think probably by 2007, Google had already yeah. basically like won. 60% at that yeah. point, and it's and gone. Now they're 90% plus, yeah. right? So, so that's one. And then, and then Google just evolved massively, right? So they evolved their sophistication. They evolved the way they show results. Uh, they evolved, you know, desktop and mobile. Uh, they evolved their ranking algorithm. So just incredible progress in that front. So that's one. The second one is how searchers interact with search engines. And that's transformed a ton too, right? So we've become less literal and more conversational. We have incredibly higher expectations. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but 2004, you know, if your site took seven, eight seconds to load, that's that's pretty fast. We didn't have to worry about mobile, right? Right. We had to worry about dial-up. Yeah. Dial-up was the the challenge. 54.4 probably (laughs) at that point was like the hot shit. Totally, right? (laughs) So like the way users interact, the way that a few hundred microsecond delay can hurt your conversion rates, can hurt your engagement rates. That's just nuts, right? So I think searcher behavior, what they click on, what they choose what they trust and don't trust, how they trust it, all of that is the, is the second force. And then the third one is the marketing industry itself, Yeah. right? So I think we grew up a little bit, you know, we sort of went through this middling adolescence and now, you know, search to your point, right? Every big company, every media company, 
every startup is thinking about search. They're thinking about SEO, they're thinking about paid search. And so you get this world where there's a lot more democratization of the information right. and the skill sets. And there's also a massive amount more people and players, which means a much more competitive space. Yep. Yeah, especially when people are launching products out there, usually they're rarely the first one ever. And if they are, the search volume is just isn't there, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to think about that user behavior of how am I going to turn them in to use my product and save maybe one step now to you know utilize it. Let's take a jump back. Is this your first time in Portugal? It is. So yeah. how, how's your experience been so far? I mean, Lisbon is a gorgeous city. Yeah. It is stunning. I can see why it's on all these you know top tourism lists, must visit that kind of thing. Web Summit itself is, to be honest, a little overwhelming. Yeah. So I like. I like small companies. I like small products. I like small gatherings. Yeah. And this is, what did you say, 80,000 people? We'll come through the doors, yeah. Roy, we're in this room right now. One of my childhood heroes, one of Russia's like heroes, yeah. Gary Kasparov, is in the other room next to us. Yeah. I don't know how he and I are in the same building. That's, it's happening. Yeah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> They're going to start tracking him now. I think yeah, he's yeah, done. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully Putin's not here. I think he's everywhere, isn't he? <laughs> You're probably right. He's probably watching right. us now. Yeah, Web Summit has been absolutely epic. I've been here since opening night. Um, just it is very overwhelming. Yeah. But um, you know, like I'm, I've been to tech conferences like the Consumer Electronics Show. That's like two hundred and fifty thousand people over like all of Vegas. So right. you know, it's right. at least nice the way they've contained all of this into one big area. But it's just nuts how many people are here. And the beauty though is just like they're from all over the world. That right. I don't think you get that from a lot of different marketing or even tech conferences where like just globally, they said there's 170 different countries here represented. That's totally amazing. Right. So Donald I think it's, Trump didn't even know there was that many countries <laughs> or, or spell half of them. Right. I think he and Shinzo Abe, the, the prime minister of Japan, were like having a conversation yesterday. Okay. And one of the things was Trump telling him, did you know there's so many countries? <laughs> oh, man. The aha moment for us. So let's talk about scaling companies. So you've, you know, you were in the CEO role. Yeah. Well, I think you started SEO Moz like in the early 2000s, right? Like 2001? 2001, I dropped out of school and started working in web design yeah. uh, with my mom and then basically built this blog in 04 called SEO Moz. Yeah. Uh, and in 2007, turned that into a software company, right. raised some venture capital. Uh, and yeah, now you know, Moz is about 180 people. 37,000-ish customers, and I think it's going to do probably around 45, 46 million in revenue this year. That's awesome. Props. Yeah. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. Props. So now your role is like a contributor, like a yeah, individual sort of contributor? Individual, right, right. So, you know, I like using the uh, the title that my wife came up with, which is Wizard of Moz. Yeah. And basically, yeah, I do a lot of speaking, writing, blogging, Whiteboard Friday, and I'm the chairperson of our board of directors as well. Okay. Uh, so contribute at sort of you know, the highest strategy level and then like right down in the tactics, uh, working on the product with, with the engineers and designers and trying to make software that works for as many people as possible. Yeah. So can you talk to our audience a little bit about like tips for scaling, right? Oh, so yeah. from you in the, the workshop to 180 employees, like talk about some of those pain points along the way and, you know, now to you being, you know, moved out of that CEO role for the last two or three years. Yeah. So I think that one of the biggest challenges around scale 
is just human interaction, right? And the, the behavior that people have, especially what I think has been called by a lot of folks who talk about uh, scale, this problem of tribalism, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, for example, uh, you and I are working in a 40 or 50 person company. We probably know every other person on our team. Right. We have some relationship with them. Maybe we don't like what one person did or how they did it, but scale that to a hundred people and suddenly it's the marketing team, the engineering team, the silo, product team, yeah. right? The design team, the finance team, customer service team. And teams start to have, you know, tribal cohesion, but also the natural result of tribalism is also antagonism against other tribes, right? So marketing always blames engineering for this, engineering always blames product for that, product blames design for this, right? So sales and marketing. Yeah, yeah. well, oh God, sales and engineering. Like, ah, yeah. that's, that's why I never built a sales team. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is one of the fundamental biggest challenges that companies face as they scale is how do you keep people cohesive? How do you keep them believing and assuming good intent from one another? Yeah. Um, and I really, I found that psychologically, emotionally overwhelming. Overwhelming. When I was, I think I stepped down as CEO, Moz was about, maybe about 130, 140 people. So okay. a little smaller than it is now. But that really got to me. Yeah. I didn't like being CEO in those circumstances where people didn't sort of have love and trust and care for each other. Yeah. I like people, man. Yeah. You know? Oh, you're I want a people, people to get person, along. Man. Yeah. No, don't we all? Yeah. But it gets to a point, right? It's like, you know, with company culture and how do you maintain that from like what your core beliefs were when you first started it and then instilling that into every new employee from there on out. Was that something that you, you, yeah, that you missed? Was, that was something that was hugely important to me. And it's, for some reason, once you get to a certain scale, it feels it's not impossible. It's just different. Yeah. Right. It's just a different kind of, it's more formal. It's more process oriented. Uh, it's more rigid and, those aren't really things that I love. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm a craft beer, not a, you know, Budweiser guy, right? Sure. I'm a local coffee shop that no one's heard of, not a Starbucks guy. Yep. And so, yeah, for me, the, that tension wasn't, wasn't quite a match. Yeah. No, I think a lot of companies get to it. So let's fast forward now. We're at Web Summit. You just gave a killer presentation on top tips and SEO for 2018. Yeah, yeah. Give us the download. Sure. Okay. So basically, I think Google has moved from being expressly keyword driven to intent driven. Mm -hmm. And they are able to use an incredible amount of information that they know about you, contextual information, everything from location to past behavior to behavior of people like you in your location to temporal elements to you know personalization based on your device, all this type of stuff. And as a result... What's getting weird is that, you know, SEO is sort of, I want to say it's shifting where it can sit competitively in the marketing spectrum, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about SEO in 2004, for example, you could basically just rely on tons of people performing the exact same search, getting the exact same results, you know, consistently all over. And now it's well, you've visited these sites a lot before and you've exhibited these behaviors before, so your results are going to be a little bit different. Yep. Um, it's kind of that same thing that we talk about in social media, the filter bubble. Right. So the filter of your past and your device and your geography and all these other elements sort of make Google different for you, personalized for you in a way that they're not for everyone else. And as right. a result, marketers kind of have to think about 
this intent-driven world and where they want to play in the spectrum. If you want to play in a competitive sector at the top, when someone's thinking about making a purchase, you better have been somewhere in their journey before. Right. Because if you haven't been, someone else has, yeah. and Google's going to bias to them. Right. So that sort of fundamentally changes how people think about SEO. SEO used to be like a great, we'll get in front of everyone right when they purchase, and yeah. now it's a shit. We never talked to them when they were just barely experiencing the problem or right. just researching it. That's a new world. So a lot of SEO players now have to invest in content as a result. They have to invest in branding. Yep. They got to invest in social. Yeah. Right? yeah, that holistic marketing approach is so critical for a lot of these companies now, especially startups when they're getting out there. Nobody knows their name, right? I know you did a, um, I saw your deck on SlideShare of why startups suck at marketing. Yes, yes, right? exactly. And it was killer. And like the first thing was like, you know, naming your company, right? Like, did you see, so uh, this was two days ago, eShares, which we use, you know, I think pretty much every venture capital firm and uh, and almost every startup on the West Coast uses eShares, has for years. They're wonderful. They, yeah. They're great. They sent out an email and they said, eShares is now Carta. And in the explanation, they said, we can't afford our own domain name. We registered eShares Inc. way back in the day. But they lease it? We can't it? <laughs> get eShares.com. The person who owns it won't sell it to us. So what? And we can't trade Bid on it. Yeah. They, and so <laughs> they changed their name. It was one of those like, oh my God, get your .com people. Like, How can you, you not afford it? Like, what do they want? I don't who know. Knows? I think they must have wanted 100 million? Yeah. That's insane. I think they wanted their last round of venture finance. I guess, yeah. Somebody pay name. my domain <laughs> name. That's, that's so weird. I wonder how many companies, startups have actually done that though. Like, well, so, most uh, of them. Buffer, right? They, yeah. they were tweeting about it. They were like, yeah, we had Buffer app originally, and then we yeah. had to spend a lot of money to get Buffer.com yep. because once you know, once the ball got rolling, Moz was the same way. Yeah. People were starting to call us Moz. When, when I bought Moz.com, you know, that was that was a six-figure investment. Today, it probably would have been a seven-figure investment. Well, yeah, you said uh, it was a half-million-dollar branding exercise. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't. But well worth it now? I think so, probably. Yeah. I mean, three-letter domain name, pronounceable. Yeah. That's a brand. Oh, it's definitely brandable, for sure. I've got my Moz shirts at home. I rock that out, man. Uh, to be fair, thankfully, <laughs> Moz.com was owned by someone who was actually like a Moz fan and like a friend in our community. So, so it was a chill transaction. It was a chill transaction. Those are nice. Yeah. Those are nice. So let's say I'm a startup and I've got a $100 budget or a $1,000 budget. Okay, all right. What are some of the things that I should really focus my marketing efforts on to begin with? So I would tell you to put most of your marketing effort at the intersection of three things. So you think of like a Venn diagram, right? Yep. Circle number one is an area where you have passion and interest. I find that people cannot do truly great marketing that stands out in their field if they don't care about it. Yeah. Right? So like, you hate video? Don't do video. You hate Twitter? Don't do Twitter. Yeah. You hate blogging? Fine. Right? Like, do you love interviewing people? Do you love audio? Maybe podcasting is sure. a great content channel for you, right? And that's where you should invest your energy. Or maybe you're great at visual design. Great. Let's get into visuals and let's make that our content play yep. for SEO. So I would urge folks to focus on their passion. Second one, an area where you can provide unique value that no one else in your field currently is doing. Yep. So if you're, you know, targeting interior decorators with a new product and you think, hey, wait a minute, you know what? There's very few or no one who can provide this particular type of experience or content or app or data that my customers, my audience is going to care about. Great. Awesome. Look for that uniqueness. Yep. And then the third one is find a place where your audience actually is, yeah. or at least a place where their influencers are. Right. And I think 
yeah, you combine those three, you find something at the intersection of all three of those points, that's where you should put your time. Why should a startup focus on their SEO at the foundation of their launch? Because retrofitting is a pain in the ass and your competitors are already doing it. Yeah. Right? Like, I think it's pretty crazy to say, hey, eventually we want to run in that race. We know all those people are way ahead of us, but you know what? I don't think I'm going to buy shoes just yet. Yeah. Like, buy the shoes. Here, put them on. Lace them up. Let's go. Yeah. Switch gears. Have you ever backed a crowdfunding campaign? Ooh, Yeah. You know, I backed the board game Robot Turtles, okay. which was like to help kids learn how to uh, program. Yeah. And I got a bunch of Robot Turtles board games and then gave them out to friends with kids. And nice. Family members. Yeah. So is that the only campaign? No, I know I've done some others. I'm not recalling them off the top of my head. I've done at least a couple on Indiegogo. So I get their, yeah. I get their email updates and alerts. I think I backed some video games, actually. Nice. Um, that I never actually downloaded and played. But you know, it's You time. supported the community I, though, right? Yeah, I wanted to see it made, right? Nice. That's what matters. Nice. All right, so quick questions. Who's your favorite entrepreneur throughout all of history? All of history? Dead or alive? Wow, gosh. I am not going to be able to get this right, but how about I'll just do someone that I personally know. Okay. That'll, that'll limit it nicely. So I am really inspired by a woman named Jessica Ma, who founded Indonero yep. uh, down in Silicon Valley. She sort of went through Y Combinator and then took a hard left pivot and was like, no, you know what? I don't want to be in this VC-backed yeah. craziness. I want to build my own thing. I want it to be profitable. I want to grow it myself. Yeah, I love her. Really impressed. I thought you would have given props to Will. Yeah, I mean, I love Will. <laughs> you guys he's are boys. Built, he's, built a, he's built a hell of a company for sure, and yeah. in our space in particular. Absolutely. And I love... I don't know if you saw it. You I know, did. You recently turned down a lot of money. A crazy amount, like a life changing retirement. His kids can retire amount of money, right? Yeah. And I was really proud of him. Yeah. I was I, so proud of him. I love how transparent he is, you know, with everything, you know, just being an agency owner and founder and just, you know, being able to just tell your story and, you know, be that open about it. And it's inspirational. It really is. So. Yeah. I mean, when you can, well, so, you know, Will's adopted a few kids and he, yeah. You know, he talks about how he asked the acquirer, hey, what's your policy on parental leave? And they said, well, you know, it's like, I don't remember. It was pretty small. He wasn't thrilled with it. Okay. And then he asked, what, what about for adoptive parents? And they said, we don't give time off for them. And he was like, keep your money. And walked away. I mean, that was the, the that main principles, right? Yeah. That's something that wow. you don't find that. All right. So uh, what's your favorite book? Ooh, favorite book. Uh, so in the business world... There's a book called The Billionaire Who Wasn't. It's about the guy who founded uh, duty-free shops and then basically gave away billions of dollars from that over... He was essentially behind a significant portion of all the anonymous donations yeah. in the United States and, and Ireland and a bunch of other places over the 80s and 90s. Inspired uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett to sign the, the Giving Pledge. Yep. So, really impressive book. In fiction... Ooh, it's a tough one. I mean, Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Yeah. That's right on top of the list. And, you know, my wife wrote a book. Okay. So that is clearly one of my clearly favorites. clearly your favorite. Clearly one of my, especially because it's about, you know, a lot of our travels. Nice. Uh, called All Over the Place. And if you need to laugh, that's a great one. Nice. So, yeah, what's, what's the favorite travel spot? Ooh, if you had to pick one. Spot. A warm one and a cold one. Yeah. There's a place in southern Oregon called Ashland. Okay. That is... Really special for us. I, I love it down there. They, they run a Shakespeare festival and produce a bunch of plays that are Broadway quality 
And it's this tiny little town. I don't know, can't be 20,000 people, right? Just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see, I think as Geraldine put it, you know, there's Ophelia drinking coffee after being killed the night before, right, yeah. in, the, in the coffee shop. And that's a pretty special place. We, I loved Cape Town in South Africa. Nice. That was an incredible spot. In cold weather, uh, Edinburgh in okay. Scotland. Oh, my God. Yeah. That place is gorgeous. I mean, stunning. You'll never get a sunny day there. Right. But on a sunny day, it competes with every other city for the prettiest in the world. Nice. What does Rand Fishkin fear? I think my biggest fear is that I will not be able to do again what I did with Moss. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a new company next year and try and build something special out of that. And I'm nervous. I'm scared. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm gonna try my hardest, but I feel like I have something to prove to myself um, and to a lot of other people that you know, that I can do this again. Awesome, well, Rand. It's been my pleasure having you on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.